Hello, Mech Warriors, and welcome to the Mech Bay, where we fix your mech and fix your game. What's going on, Mech Warriors? I'm your host, Josh. I've got my co-host, Loremaster Denim, with me today. Howdy, howdy. And we are the Mech Bay Podcast, your number one source for all things casual to competitive battle tech. And today... We're talking about injecting some chaos into our lives. We're talking about chaos campaigns, a little bit of turning points, and a little bit of spotlights, also known as ways to play missions in Battletech, but specifically chaos campaigns. Well, I mean, that's it's because it's all based on chaos campaigns now. And I learned that researching this episode, <laughs> that, that like as I scratched through the tomes on the surface, like, it all leads back to chaos campaigns. It's all built around chaos campaigns. It, it is the framework that it was all designed on. Yep. But before we get into that, we're going to talk about some Battletech news, some hobby progress, some games played, some upcoming events, and some fan mail. So let's flush all that cool and start with some Battletech news. All right. So the first thing is we finally this week got our $1.75 million stretch goal from the clan invasion kickstarter yeah this has been a long time coming uh how long three three years about three years yeah it's it's been a long road getting from there we'll we'll say like two years from when it was supposed to have been delivered that that sounds reasonable like i don't want to like ruffle too many feathers but it's been a while it's been a while i i honestly just like cool that's not happening but so what they had promised to deliver for that stretch goal was a faction painting guide where each month they would have a living, quote unquote, living document where they would have a camo specs, how to paint this faction and like a spotlight on that faction. And the first two that they said they would do in the original Kickstarter was the Smoke Jaguars and the Draconis Combine. So this week they delivered the Smoke Jaguar painting guide from camo specs. And on Facebook, I just saw an announcement that said, oh, coming soon, an announcement in a, on November 11th. So, you know, hmm, I wonder what that could be. I don't know. But I mean, we, we were promised this a while. So I would like to think like that the hardest part was just getting it set up. Like who's going to do what and everything. Let's organize. This was a, we're going to say we're going to do it during the Kickstarter. And then we'll start planning it after the Kickstarter. <laughs> <laughs> it, it seems to me like one of those things that somebody had an idea, somebody had a plan, and then someone else took over the project and didn't like that idea or plan. So it was all scrapped and, and something started over or they didn't have the resources they thought. Who knows? It's been a long time. But it's all here now and it's totally perfect. Right, Josh? Totally. A hundred percent. I haven't had comments and thoughts on this at all. I'll let you go first. What did you think of... This was a free document. So first off, I'm going to say this was a free document. And by say free, I mean, we paid for it in our $1.75 million in the Clan Invasion Kickstarter. So it was a stretch goal. And I'm assuming some of our dollars went to it. But our purchasing of it is free. So anyone, even if they didn't do anything in the last Kickstarter, can enjoy it. Right. Yeah, so anyone can download this and and all the updates as they come out. So what did you think of Camo Specs painting showcase Smoke Jaguar? Well, I do paint Smoke Jaguar. uh, So I was was pretty excited about this. 
I thought that there weren't enough pictures to begin with like like the different the different ones they had like the different mechs like the showcase pictures you know you had one example of each of the faction you know like the delta galaxy alpha galaxy etc i was hoping for more you know here's how these five mechs look in this camo configuration here's how these five mechs look but we only had one of each but they had a lot of uh, a lot of technical writing about what their method for the painting was, uh, and I found that interesting, especially as someone who paints smoke jaguars when they were talking about their spots. I, I actually uh, learned a few things that I didn't think about when I was painting mine that I look forward to trying uh, on my next batch. So, yeah, it's it's not perfect, but it's you know it's there. I think my main takeaway, though, is that this is a camo specs online thing. This is a PDF, um, a digital only product that they can give out, which means that they can embed links. And I don't know why there aren't like links embedded to here is an example of us painting this mech. You know, just a video, a video link in there, I think would have been great. That's that's my opinion. Because Camospecs does have a technical YouTube presence. Like there are. They have lots and lots of videos of people painting mechs. So take some of those videos and link them up with with uh, the mechs that, that they're showing off. So as long as you're talking about it, you know, here's also a video of, of our technique. But yeah, those were those were my, my two small complaints. Uh, should have video links, need more pictures of examples. How about you? What was your your. Because you know, I'm going to preface this by saying when you were talking to me about it, after I had read through the document, I thought that some of your pages were missing. So so we are definitely coming at this from two different angles. We have different opinions. I was very excited about this, and I think a lot of people wouldn't have expected me to be excited about it. But I very much enjoy a like step-by-step painting guide like that's something i can follow it's almost like a youtube thing but it's like here's the exact frame we want you to focus on so when it has that ability like i'm like cool this is the one slide with the words that i can read at my pace i can look at it that's what i'm expecting that's what i'm wanting out of a painting guide this i felt like we've all seen the meme like paint the draw the circles paint the rest of the owl and then, you know, color in the owl feathers. Like that, that's what it felt like to me because they like in the first steps, they went from primer gray to base coat to all the spots are on the model. And I felt like that was the biggest injustice. Like, yes, they describe it, but they had two pictures on for each page for the painting guide section. And each one was just, the it was same. The end. It was the end result of of each of the exactly. Pages. Yeah, and I was like, "No, you give me like your first a single spot. Like, what does one spot look like? Like, show me the brush. Show me, show me the technique. Show me as much as you can for literally the hardest and most looked at thing for a smoke jaguar back is how to do the spots. And like, so yes, don't, that don't was tell it. me, show me. Yes, and I was like, this is a free PDF. You're not paid by the megabyte. I mean. Yes, you kind of are. They're like there is an upload thing, but I felt like that could have been expanded out. So I was disappointed, and we're going to gloss over the spots in a small paragraph in a picture that doesn't help me as much. I'm a picture based painter, not as much a text based. Right. So I was disappointed in that. I was also disappointed that the person who wrote this decided 
I, I want to be nice here. I want to be nice because it's a free PDF, but I also want to be like a professional here. Say this was definitely an old school painter because they seem very proud that they were using floor wax, old floor wax to gloss coat their model. And I was like, yes, they are literally bragging that they have the same can of floor wax to gloss coat models from 2003. That is a while. That That is a while. So and for those like, of us who don't want sorry, floor wax, sorry, what 2005, products, I'm sorry. 2005, I'm yeah. sorry. <laughs> what what, uh, what products should we be using if, if we don't have floor wax? Uh, any miniature grade gloss coat. Like Citadel has, I want to say No, I, I know. I'm, I'm saying what, it would be nice if they also said, if you, you know, I use floor wax, but here are products that you can that you can get. Yes. They would look great. And I felt like this was actually really disingenuous because people that paint models and look at painting guides recognize like this is a technique that was kind of established at the early 2000s when this person bought their can of floor wax when there was no gloss coat. And that was what people were doing or the gloss coat was expensive. And this was essentially the cheap method is rather than buy a gloss coat, we buy floor wax, which is a gloss coat. Unfortunately, if you look at like the interim, like mid 2010s, they changed the formula for this gloss coat. So you can't go and buy the same product they are advertising and it worked the same way. Like the gloss coat in this painting guide from 2005 does not work the same as right. the 2023 gloss coat off the hardware store. Like, so please don't tell me to buy something from 2005. Like that, your, that your time machine is broken, Josh. Come on. Exactly. Come yeah. On. Yeah. So I'm like, don't be proud of that. Like, think of people like new painters. Yes, when you people who have guide. nothing right now and they want to go out. What, what do they need to buy? So I felt like, don't do that. Like, come on, guys. You're better than floor wax. Between, besides that, I definitely thought there could have been more pictures. I thought one picture of each mech per page was like, the bare minimum like mechs are 360 show me what jump jets looks like like no none of these pictures show the back of the mech and that's one of the things i really want to see is like how are people painting jump jets what are the things on the back what are the greebles again this is as? this is an online only pdf there is no physical copy of this guide you could literally have those 360 photos on on the on the PDF where you grab it and drag it and it will do a full 360 view of the mini. Um, I mean, we've seen that. I, I saw that ten years ago on PDFs. So why not here? We could embed gifs. Yeah, we have Whoa. the technology. We have the technology. <laughs> Blake's our savior's year 2023. Um, the other thing was like I I didn't appreciate that each picture looked to be. I don't want to say different quality, but like these weren't all done by the same painter or right. Yeah. They're, they're done decades apart. Even the picture, that was the biggest thing. Like, okay, some of these pictures are relatively new. So they're higher definition, like the beta galaxy one. That's a new mech, but it's definitely from a couple of years ago. It's not zoomed in. So I, when I zoom in on the picture, it's all just blurry. So it's not to the same resolution as the one above it. And I'm like, come on guys. It, we, we're better than standardize the process. I was frustrated. I'm like, I expected more out of a three-year painting guide project. Yeah, that's my thought. Yeah. Um, I, I don't want to give it a too little too late, but I'm like, eh. Well, I don't think it's, I mean, too late is certainly not, but it, it could have been 
something amazing. Right now, it's it's fine and it's functional, but it's not amazing, and it could have been amazing. I, I'm not as disappointed because I don't think I was expect was expecting as much as you were. So my uh, my my hopes and dreams were not dashed quite quite as hard. Um, <laughs> but I agree. I agree. It could ha- it could have been an amazing product. R- really show that BattleTech is at the forefront of miniature painting for its you know historical camo spec stuff. Oh, well, let's shake that dust off and go to the last Kickstarter update email, <laughs> which, oh, man, we're just starting off great tonight, aren't we? It came out, I mean, it came out today. Today. It's almost like we waited to do the episode until we got the Kickstarter update, right? Totally. Yep. yep. I heard there was coming one coming out. So I'm like, nope, can't do it tomorrow. Yesterday, got to do it tomorrow. Heard it's going to be a big one, guys. <laughs> uh, so, <laughs> so the email says shipping, but the website says entering production. So right. there was a big disconnect between what we all saw on our phones and what we saw on the website. Right. Because <laughs> shipping this week was not what it was supposed to say. Entering production. Ooh, okay. Shipping? Okay, even better. And it's like, yeah, we're shipping things early this week. I was like, wait, are they shipping Kickstarter stuff this week? I know the original goal was early 2024, late 2023. I was like, that's that's now. That's now. That's right now. Yeah, that is that is the start of right now. <laughs> and I know that that like we've seen videos of you know the uh the special edition boxes being put on pallets. So I know that that stuff like they have pallets of those things already. We know that the dice have already been worked on. Like we, we've seen a lot of of videos of products being prepped and ready to go. So, you know, it it could have been possible. Like I, I honestly expected it. I was like, oh man, they are ready. Like, and what did I tell you? I said, I, I will. <laughs> I said, when it shows up on my doorstep, I will get excited. But then we saw the website and it's uh, entering production. And that makes sense considering they were talking specifically about salvage boxes and edge zone tokens for Shadowrun in that email. Right. So keep waiting, folks. It's coming soon. I mean, it's coming. The, 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 <laughs> fi- the most recent ETA is June 2024, I think. That's, that's at least what I've heard around the water cooler. That's the buffer that they put in there where. Yeah. Where if things aren't running as smoothly as possible, that uh, that will still start shipping in June of 2024. But it's possible that things could actually come out sooner. So right now we're definitely looking at anywhere 2024, the first half of the year, which is roughly what everyone kind of expected. It means I'm not going to start getting antsy until August 2024. That's when we start getting pitchforks. The pitchfork market gets booming that time of year. All right. So is that it for news for this week? It's, I mean, those are two busy things, I feel like. Yeah, uh, those were those were good. All right. Let's move into some hobby progress. So uh, have you gotten anything done in the last two, three weeks? Denim? Right. Yeah. No, I mean, I've uh, I played a few games. Uh, Hangar 18, Paulo and I had a nice game. He had some uh, Jade Falcons versus my Grey Death mechs. It was one of those games where it was super close for the first like five or six turns. And then on turn seven, everything went wrong. 
Carlisle again got multiple crits on his center torso due to attack. He again fell down and went unconscious. Everything that could go wrong did go wrong. So Paulo ended up taking that one uh, just because Jade Falcons are just so vicious, I guess. That's that's what I'm going to go with. Um, not not because not because the dice suddenly suddenly turned against me, but it was a, it was a fantastic game. I had a lot of fun with that one. Nice. What were you running? At the ghost, uh, the um, the Great Death Legion. So I had like a, a Marauder, a Spider, a Shadowhawk, and Catapult. I think I had the Catapult on that one. I'll trust you. I'll trust your word that you had a catapult. I don't. I. I would have to go look through it. It was. It was about two and a half weeks ago. So, for me, You're that's fine. like that's like six months for normal people. <laughs> <laughs> Time has no meaning when you're rolling dice. Uh, but considering now we've just skipped into games played, we'll go back to hobby progress. But uh, so you got some another game, and if I remember right, you've gotten some Solaris games in. So you've oh, got I get some. S- Solaris games in all the time. You've got some hot gladiator on gladiator mech coolant, you know, flowing down your face action. Tell me about that. Yeah, um, we we had a fun one with the uh, uh, Contio. That that was a lot of fun, except that I decided uh, you really need to have like a three gunnery and a two pilot, not a two gunnery and a three pilot, because claws are plus one to hit. And, yeah. and it gets nothing is, is more devastating than running up to a mech that that's severely damaged and missing both claws by one, both of them, mm. uh, the, the two claws with TSM. It was, uh, it was sad. The Contio was fast, super fast, but then again, so was the other mech and it was, uh, it was in the Steiner Coliseum. So the walls and, and everything were popping up. Um, neither of the mechs had jump jets, but they were both very, very fast. So. So it was a, it was a very much a cat and mouse pulling some Wolverine chasing down. It was, it was super exciting. Um, but the Contio lost in the end. Oh um, no. Yeah. It was, uh, it just couldn't catch up. And, and the, the moment, the defining moment would have been that one time when, when I was able to hit with the claws. Cause I only got to attack with claws once and, uh, and it missed. missed both of them by one. Cause they're claws. You need better dice, son. Yeah. Yeah, I do. I should get some new ones. Oh, man. Uh, For my games, I got in, I want to say, two practice games for Southern Assault, which was really just like, hey, do I like these mechs in this list on the table? Because I think think everyone knows I don't play Alpha Strike like on the regular. Like that's something that I do the month before Alpha Strike or the month before an event. I play it at the event and then I'm back to classic for nine months out of the year. That sounds right. I mean, some people is going to be like nine months out of the year. That doesn't make sense. Like I take a month off. Yeah, I take a month off from BattleTech as a whole, and I get my two events in. So there's that month of the event and the month before the event. So that's where my nine months comes in. Right. My math works, people. But Does it? Uh, yeah, <laughs> it works for me, boy math. But yeah, I got a Terran Hegemony versus Diamond Shark game in. Or Sea Fox Diamond Shark. I they're the same. They're the same. And that was good. Like I took the Mackie, an Emperor, like a Kyoto, like champion, like all the old school Terran Hegemony mechs like first came out pre-Star League. And I was like, oh boy, this is great. 
until you realize everyone moves like six or eight inches. Like that is they're it. all slow. They're, they're all, all slow. so slow. And, and you know, like, I've got a problem, especially in Alpha Strike with slow unit with all of my units being slow. It's not good. Like I had what, three assault mechs and a heavy for like one lance, and I was like, "All right, guys, you're doing good, but you move for TMM one. Like every one of your targets is like TMM two or three. And you and they didn't even have like the dice to like really put the shots out. And I I wasn't rolling great. Like I'll be honest here, but it just wasn't fun to be completely outmaneuvered. Like even by basic medium or heavy mechs. Is that the one where one of your assaults has jump jets? Yeah, the Emperor. Because it's so difficult in Alpha Strikes, particularly when you've got something with a, a low jump, uh, you know, inches. Because you can't even jump use it to jump over terrain. You just don't have the the jumping ability to jump over most terrain on the table. So what yeah. what is it good for? You know, hopping you into woods. That's the only thing I can figure out. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, that was that was really it. So I was like, I enjoy this. Like, this is a fun list, but it's definitely for narrative. Like, I have my Terran hegemony for classic, and that's like extremely lore friendly. It's fun. Like, it doesn't really matter as much because everything moves. You put enough woods down, everyone's moving four to six. Yeah, but no one can see each other then. So <laughs> exactly. So it all turns into brawling, anyways. So that had that game, and then I got to play against Dustin, and I took some. Word of Blake C3I Alpha Strike list, and I took like some weird, some weird stuff like a Fafnir with four plasma rifles, but of course Alpha Strike, so it's just five damage, two heat. I took a Excalibur, I took a Oscout, a Legacy. It was pretty much like all the the little bit of Word of Blake models I own, and that was really cool. And me and Dustin did like. We kind of like reverse psychology. Like I took out his big guys first and he took out my little guys because he knew he had to kill my spotters, but I had to kill his damage dealers. So by the time we called it, we were roughly equivalent points destroyed. It's just with none of my light mechs, my C3I network couldn't really spot as well. Like I essentially had to sacrifice a unit every turn to get a good shot. And he was like, okay, why my light mechs can still run around because I have more of them than you have mechs now. So I was like, oh, this isn't great either. So, but that was fun. And like, I as feel long like as you learn something from every game, it's good. Exactly. And then I, I turn hegemony slow. Thanks. Have a nice day. Yeah. <laughs> Primitive engine and armor, not good. No. Um, but the C3 would have been good. But we were just playing on such a small table. It's like that almost four feet of long range doesn't mean anything when you're in medium range turn two and you didn't right. bring any long range fire. Yeah. Most, most maps for alpha strike, especially in tournaments, there's no reason to have long range. It just, if you're in there, it's for a turn. Maybe yeah, it's for a turn or dedicated long range person. But even then, if someone's on at, you know, makes it up to, to where the objectives are around half map, then you're no longer in long range. Yeah. And we were playing with a lot of line of sight blocking terrain. So as soon as the person knows, hey, that thing's in long range and it's going to get short range spotting from a C3I spotter. Not if you can't see me. Not if you can't see me. And that just kind of indirect fire doesn't work that way. Not with C3, yeah. Not with C3. So that was it. But it was a good learning game. Like I hadn't actually played C3I with Alva Strike. So 
I had fun. But uh, yeah, those are my games played. All right, let's go to some hobby progress. It's okay to say no. Denim, have you bought or painted anything lately? Uh, actually, we're, we're not even making new maps at Hangar 18 right now because, you know, we've got all those awesome maps for the for the campaign, but mm-hmm. we're done painting those for the rest of the year. All the rest of the campaign games will be done on maps that we already have. Uh, it's just, it's the, it, the holiday season's too busy. So uh, we're yeah. not even doing that right now. So what have I been doing? Playing. You've been playing games. Yeah, yeah, I've been playing, but but hobby progress. I don't I don't think I've gotten Oh, uh yeah. No, we've been we've been painting for the for the worldwide event. Right. That's right. Yes. Um we fact, forgot have... that on news. Oh yeah. no. Still. All right. So now we gotta talk because this will be a lot of listeners' first worldwide event. That's true, because it pretty much shut down over COVID. So what is a Battletech Worldwide event? A Battletech Worldwide event is an event that is run by an official, it's an official catalyst event that's run by a CDT agent. Such as yourself. Yes, such as myself, wherever you can find one. Uh, these can be run on, on Mega Mech, but uh, some of the rules and stuff make it difficult because Mega Mech, you can't, you can't just do whatever you want. It, it adheres to the rule books to a fault. But... Uh, this one in particular is uh, going to be taking place on New Earth uh, in the year 3152, I believe. Oh, boy. And, uh, yeah, it's got um, the warrior House Haritsu going up against a uh, conglomeration of, of clans. I think we've got Jade Falcon, Snow Raven, um, Wolf, and a little bit of Smoke Jaguar representing in there. Makes sense. I mean, you really got the... Ill clan and friends, and yep. then Capellan and no friends. So, uh, if you don't know where to find one and you want to play in one, you can go to the, the Battletech website, the bg.battletech.com, and go to their forums, and you should be able to search for for uh, hobby shops with agents in your area. Actually, I know I know at least three people who became an agent just to be able to run this at uh, at their local events. That's so, awesome. That's going to be cool. So there'll be a classic one and an Alpha Strike yes. mission for this event. And you can play yes, in yeah. both. And then the results will go to the higher powers. The results will be tallied and they'll go to the higher powers to do with as they will, whether it's there to to influence uh, uh, shape or influence events um, or, or whatever. Uh, it will be recorded. It will be tallied. Um, the uh, event runs from October 31st to December 31st, so it can be run anytime during that time, and it can be run multiple times. I know that uh, at Hangar 18, I believe we'll be running it more than once, just for you know stragglers or those who can't make it on the first day. Sounds fun. So, but yeah, we've been printing, uh, uh, not printing, jeez, been painting mechs for that. Um, and uh, and I've been working on this uh, lance of urban mechs. Ooh, yeah. there's an urban mech lance an for the worldwide mech. event. It is not part of House Haritsu either. Wait, really? Yeah, really. Now I'm like, wait. I know, right? Wait, you're just gonna have to wait and see. God, uh, <laughs> fine. <sighs> Insert evil well, I... laugh here. <laughs> the, my only comment is. So the worldwide event, this is not a bring your own list to no. do the mission. This no. is a, there is a pre-selected Lance comp or star composition 
and then doing the missions with those. Right. Uh, mine mine will be uh, a reinforced company on one side. For, so 16 mechs on one side versus 11 or 12 clan mechs on the other side. Uh, the mechs have already been chosen. Um, you just have to show up to these events. You don't need to bring anything. The maps will be there. The mechs will be there. The mission will be there. Uh, you will be told uh, what to do at the event. So it is, it is, it is not like a pickup game. Uh, you just show up and, and you get to play. I also saw that this is not like for super beginners. That's like that was true. at least how it was advertised. That that's true. You this should not be like like your first couple of games. If you've only played a couple of games, um, absolutely come. You know, find a place and, and and watch. And if there aren't enough players, you know, you you could probably get in there. But in order to get the game finished in any reasonable amount of time, uh, th- this should be for. You don't necessarily have to have like the tables memorized, but you should know exactly where to go uh, to look up anything that you need just to keep the game flowing. Um, yeah. It's even with that, uh, it's still, you know, expected to be like a six hour game. Uh, it's going to be long. Okay. So that's a worldwide event. <laughs> First one since COVID. Okay. Let's go. Woo. Fun um, times. Yeah. So, okay. So that's your hobby progress as yeah. prepping for the worldwide event. <laughs> one day you'll get to paint things for you. Um, I mean, I'm keeping everything that I paint for the worldwide event. I'm not That's getting rid true. of it. It's, it's all your product, anyways. <laughs> but uh, so I, uh, I don't, I don't want to say in a moment of weakness in my literally the 24 hours before list submission for Southern Assault, I was like, I still don't know what I'm going to take. Let me just buy things for every possible list iteration I could. And why not? Yeah. So went on to Fortress Miniatures and Games, and I. Impulse buy, stress buy, one of the two. One of the two. We're still trying to determine. Anxiety buy. Anxiety buy. So I bought an Excalibur and Nexus 2, a Prowler tank, a Gorgon and Minotaur protomech, and some Infiltrator Mark II battle armor. Because looking at that whole purchase, you might as well be going to the store and buying condoms, cucumbers, and lube. And it's just like choose what yeah yeah yeah. no it's the infiltrator like like the cartoon (laughs) was bad enough but but the infiltrator battle armor came from that cartoon that and the sloth and i just i just hated them both so much wait the infiltrator mark twos came from the battletech cartoon uh the infiltrator was that not the one that looks like like a triangle on legs that is the infiltrator mark one oh is that the mark one yeah the mark Mark two get better did does the mark two looks like I don't know. What's the best way? It looks very German, very Steiner. I will let you. The Mark II would not have come into existence without the Mark I, and that came from the cartoon, and it was bad. They don't look related. They don't look related at all. They are. (laughs) All right. I'm throwing it in to our shared notes. There you go. There you can see it. Completely different. Letting him see. That looks pretty cool. It does look pretty cool. I already had one. Uh, one was handed to me by Mr. Brute at the first Southern Assault. I was like, oh, yeah. this is cool. And I was like, what if I actually want to run these? I could run them. I should get two more. So I got Infiltrator Mark II. And they have the paratroop ability, so they can like VTOL down from a Yeah, it looks like it's got VTOL wings on its on its back. Yeah. And anybody listening, you can go to the uh, 
to the Discord, and and we'll have all these pictures uh, in in the episode guide because people will post them. Because yes. man, that the Mark One is so dumb. <laughs> Poor Mark One. Yeah, this one has like a stall helm. I'm like, yeah, this this one's. I'm just gonna laugh and move on. So yeah, so I bought those, and I. I elected not to go with anything, but these are all mechs that I really wanted. Like I wanted an Excalibur for my Comstar forces. I wanted a Nexus two for my word of Blake, a Prowler. Prowler is like the most common hazardous environmental tank transport you could ever get. And how can anyone say no to more proto mechs? Like then I was like, I, I, I say no regularly to more proto mechs. <laughs> I only say yes to one proto mech and that's the, uh, the rock that is the best one but it hurts but it is the best one so so thank you fortress miniatures for <laughs> enabling my anxiety buying all right so that is hobby pro- oh i did paint i did paint some i did paint my other rocks that i had purchased last time right uh i'm still not happy with the paint scheme which is like an off green i think the problem is I want to do like an off blue, like a very light grayish blue. Blurine. Oh, what? Blurine. Or some Blurine. people call it teal. But oh, Okay. Okay, so I have teal, and that's what I use for my sea foxes slash diamond Yeah, sharks. but you don't have Blurine, so... I don't have Blurine. Right. <laughs> the problem is, no, no, no. I do have Blurine because the tops of them are blue and the bottoms of them are green. <laughs> they are bisected color-wise. I just keep my blue and my green separate. But for my Stow Ravens, I was like, I I, I kind of want something like steel blue, like metallic blue, like navel like blue. Like your almost. grandmother's hair. Yeah. <laughs> Grain, silver, what's left of it. So that's the problem with that. So I think the problem was that I was giving up too fast because I'd bought in like a whole bunch of bluish grays. And I was like, oh, this doesn't look good. And what I should have done was at least done a full test model with that color and it just gave up too fast so i think no after way. I, yeah right <laughs> Me? so out of no. character for you <laughs> so i think after southern assault i think there's gonna be a little little acetone bath for some of my metal models and i think we're gonna try again to get the right steel blue because i think that'll look really good with like the yellow accents and the black uh paneling cool all right that's enough for hobby progress we've got some upcoming events we've got uh, the SoCal Open with Frontline Gaming just finished like yesterday, essentially. So, uh, so how congrats. is that an upcoming event? It's not an upcoming, but uh-huh. I want to include because there's a bunch of listeners that were like, "Hey, we're going to this," and I was like, "Good luck, guys! Can't wait to." So if you want to go to it, too bad <laughs> you missed it. Stay just around for next year. That's what I mean because they're oh, they're always roughly the same time. Yeah. Uh, we have the BattleTech Fall Brawl in Mechanicsville, Pennsylvania on the 28th. So that'll be this weekend. Again, what a city to have that in. Like, it's just Mechanicsville. It's just... It might as well just be Meccaville. It, it should be. Mecca, Pennsylvania. Meccaville. Meccavillans, Pennsylvania. <laughs> All right, we're getting sidetracked. We got Southern Assault the week after that on the 4th of November in Winston-Salem, North Carolina. And I and Dustin will be attending. Uh, we have the Las Vegas Open in January on the 18th through the 21st. And there will be Classic, Alpha Strike, and a bunch of folks wanting to hang out and play with you. That's true. So, uh, I think Matt E. from the Valhalla podcast is putting most yes. of those games on. 
Mm-hmm. So congrats for him to running that. More power to him. All right. So that's it for our confirmed upcoming events. We've got a little bit of fan mail. We've got uh, Drayton Jones writes, Hey guys, I've been kind of out of Battletech for a bit because of school and whatnot. Though I still go weekly to a little game shop near us. Shout out to the in real life games in Hightown, New Jersey. But I haven't played but I haven't been playing at home or painting anything. Do you guys have any tips for getting back into things? Thanks, Trayton. I mean, you're, you're already doing number one is, is showing up uh, play or not. If you show up and you're around people who play paddle tech, you're going to want to do it more. And as far as getting back into painting for me, it's, it's the buddy system. You've got to find someone else who also wants to paint and you kind of feed off of each other's energy. So you're like, well, you know, Here's what I've been working on. Let's see what you've been working on. And it's it's more fun if you got a partner. How about this you, Josh? explains so much of why me and you talking don't get anything painted. <laughs> True. It's, we just want to play games. We don't want to paint. We just want to talk about playing games. Um, that's hard. Getting back into things. I guess it depends on by getting back in. like Because I'm hoping you still have models. And... If not, I think the easiest thing is to just buy like a pack of models you're really excited about and just like I'm going to finish these. Like I'm going to finish these for like next week's game where I'm like teaching one person how to play this specific thing or this scenario or this little campaign that this per like I'm not using my excitement for the game. I'm using someone else's and I'm just going to like meet them at that same point. Like they want to try clans, cool. Well, I've got five clan models that need paint. So I'm going to paint them and I'm going to get them ready and they're going to be good to go for next game. So also, yeah, coming back to that, um, especially the busier your life gets, you know, you're going to have to schedule it because if you don't, something else is going to come up because you can't just be like, well, I'll paint these in my free time. You don't have free time. It's not going to happen. <laughs> Welcome to adulthood. Yeah. Free time you, machine broke. Yeah. You have to put it on the calendar and then you have to abide by that calendar because the calendar says you're going to paint. So, you know, put on your favorite podcast to listen to while you sit down and you have an hour, hour and a half, two hours set aside just for that. And that's what you do. Because if you don't, you're not going to get back into the habit of it. You will always find something else. Set hard goals, set hard deadlines, treat it like a contract. But have fun with it. But have fun with (laughs) it. Aren't all contracts fun? Um, it depends on what side you're on. Yeah. <laughs> the lawyer's side. Ah, oh, but no, thank you, Drayton. I hope things warm back up because Battletech's great to be in right now. And it's about to get even better when things enter production slash ship. But all right, let's take a quick break and then we'll get into our main subject, injecting some chaos into our Battletech lives. Woohoo. Warning. Welcome to the beaches of Canopus. Away from the chaos of the battlefield awaits rest and relaxation of a quality unsurpassed by the successor states. Trade in your cooling vest and neuro helmet for a cold martini and a nap in the sun. Or perhaps try your luck at one of our sphere-renowned casinos. Indulge in free culture and arts in our renowned galleries while expanding your palate 
with tastes local and foreign at authentic high-class restaurants and bars. Everyone knows that the magistracy is unsurpassed in pleasure and relaxation. Book a transcendent experience with an agent near you and return to your life truly refreshed. And we are back. So, chaos campaigns. Injecting now, a little chaos into our lives. Yeah, Denim's right. already like, let me let me interrupt right now yeah, before we well, start rolling. No, it's exciting to me because like we, we already did a, a campaigns episode, but a lot of people have asked specifically about the chaos campaign. And, and I think it's time we did a, a deep dive into just that. We do know a little bit about it because you know that is what the campaigns that we run every month are based on. So we've had a bit bit of experience the past couple of years. I think I've had like two people this this previous like calendar week ask me about chaos campaigns and things where the answer was chaos campaign. Right. Right. So and it, it makes sense because it is getting popular. Like you know, when we started, what there were six people who would show up, maybe less. Mm-hmm. And uh, the last couple, the last couple of months, we have had over forty-five, almost fifty people show up to these campaign missions, and and people want more of them. So uh, I'm not running more of them. I just can't do it. Uh, and greedy, I will help, greedy yeah, people. <laughs> I will help people run them themselves, and I am I am happy to do it. What is the chaos campaign? And the answer that my brain kind of took me to was: This is what the official Battletech mission setup is? Uh, the Chaos Campaign is a framework that that all of the persistent campaign scenarios that Catalyst comes up with can work with. So it's one system that all of their products can adhere to uh, if you're going to be playing more than one mission in a row. Exactly. It's so like every, every turning point, every spotlight on every book that has like any narrative part attached to it but also a tabletop way to play is almost designed to be ejected into a chaos campaign style game right right anything with any persistence where you have your force and you want to be able to keep track of repairs uh salvage throughout the missions uh basically anything other than a pickup game (laughs) the irony right (laughs) Well, yeah, I mean, for pickup games, I, I think they assume that you're going to be using things like just their scenarios from the beginner box or, or uh, oh, what was that book from the, from the 90s? First Strike? Yeah, First Strike. See, that. Everyone should have a copy of that. 2006. Hey, it still holds up, except for the maps. <laughs> and this one, I'm willing to buy those maps. So the Chaos Campaign is... It's not the start, but it is the end of all like the mission searching because it's it's the all encompassing foundation, the bedrock, the framework, the framework. But you don't have to play with all the persistence like you mentioned repairs and everything. The chaos campaigns do not require that. They do not require all of the extra homework phase stuff. But we are going to talk a little bit about that today. 
Well, yeah, because in my in in my mind, anyone who's looking for a persistent campaign, anyone who's looking for more than a pickup game, like what one of the very first things when I got into BattleTech that I did was I had all my favorite models, all my favorite minis, and I, I assigned pilots to them and I made them into my lance. And they were a mercenary unit because mercenaries were cool, but they could have been a house unit. But they had stories, and this is the way to tell stories with your with your people. So this is this is the best way to do it is to have them in a persistent world. I mean, assuming you don't want to take the next step into like the RPG system, this is we're not covering that here. This is this is just this is just the mechs. This is not the um, this is not the pilots aside from from like special SPAs or or piloting at gunnery skill. This is not uh, this is not what happens out of your mech. This is purely in your mech type of a. Uh, type of persistence so like like we already mentioned we touched on this in the campaign episode but this is like a very how to do a chaos campaign step-by-step guide because i feel like everyone has a everyone that's listening has a friend who's like oh man i really like to play games with only this one person and i like to bring the same mechs or like have a backstory or like progression change things up like on a gradual scale and this is how you're meant to do it Right. Yeah, right. Uh, so we talked on where the best place to start with a chaos campaign is. And I feel like everyone agreed that the a Game of Armor Combat, it wasn't in the box set, but it was released kind of like the same time, the Succession Wars chaos campaign that was free on the Catalyst website. That was definitely meant to be used with a Game of Armor Combat and the uh, the beginner box. Um not necessarily the the clan invasion guide, but once you've played it a few times, it does work with that. But it was it was designed for a game of armored combat, like the next step after a game of armored combat. If you've played all the scenarios in the back and you're still looking for something more, this is that more. I almost feel like a- they wanted to include that in the box set, but it's just too much of its own product, like they lengthwise and complexity wise. Yeah, they weren't done with it yet either so it was too late um there was no way they were going to be able to get it into the box set because it came out it came out quite a bit after um probably a year or more after the uh the box set came out yeah it felt like felt like it was the same time but you know (laughs) but it was not uh so yeah it it like it has some things where you can definitely tell because it is a succession wars um document which means that when they're talking about balance and how they're going to use tonnage for balance, it's okay. It works because it's all intro tech and balance isn't, I mean, tonnage isn't that unbalanced in, in intro tech days. Um, I mean, there's the Banshee, which is like compared to any other assault mech is, is horrible, but in general, it works out really well. So tonnage is not, is, is the way they do it in there, but you don't have to do that. The Succession Wars campaign almost assumes you're using the starter, a game of armor combat box, and like maybe one or two extra mechs or units. Uh, it, all the examples in there are right out of right out of that, and and they might have the beginner box, so they might have like the the Wolverine and the and the um the Griffin at the time. Only the Griffin. There was no Vindicator. So <laughs> back in my day, the beginner box day. didn't have a. <laughs> <laughs> Griffin, a vindicator. Uh, yeah. Um, but then the next step, the next biggest, I'd say, most well-known chaos campaign, 
is the Tukid campaign book. Um, for some reason, I might have to check on that. I love the Tukid campaign book is one of my favorite uh, Catalyst publications, hands down. It is fantastic. Um, it I'll have to check. It may have actually made it out before the Succession Wars um, Chaos campaign book. Maybe. Are we pausing this entire recording to look this up? The release date of Tukid versus Succession Wars? I don't know. I guess not. Now we can just skip all that. Okay. I just it's not that important, but I, I it's like, not that important. That just, that just popped into my it. head. Yeah. Yeah. No. So but I had yeah. never actually looked at the Tukid book for chaos campaign stuff. I had looked at it for like lore, random assignment tables, like little tidbits of how you know, clans versus interspheres supposed to work. And I actually like saw the campaign and just glossed over it until like I was researching for this episode. Oh yeah. I, uh, I picked it up specifically for the campaign or the campaigns, I should say, because it has multiple different campaigns in it. Yes. Um, you are not supposed to play the entire book from start to finish. You, you have to pick which ones you're going to do. So those are the two big ones. Are there any other, big chaos campaigns like that that you would think well that's of? a big one that is that like the succession wars one i wouldn't consider a big one that's just a a it's more like a demo you know here is here is how to use it but the the two kid one is the big one uh and that's the only really huge one that i know of there are lots of little self-contained ones uh, i say little because they only have one campaign and those are the uh um, the the ones we were talking about before, the turning the, points, the, yeah, the turning points, which are fantastic, yeah, yeah, and those don't have a physical book like the Tukey one. They're they're all just uh, digital PDFs only. Yeah, but they're, uh, like they five, almost, they're like five bucks for like ten different tracks. Hundred percent worth it because you can always find you know your favorite faction or or your favorite era, and they have they have selections for all of those. Um, there's you know there's a couple dozen out there of those. Let's move on to like actually setting up a chaos campaign. And I'm I'm going to use the word chaos campaign as itself very loosely because even in most of the books it kind of tells you like you don't have to do the whole thing. Like it's really just a framework for doing missions. So that's kind of the way I'm going to approach it mentally, like talking about it and stuff. And I know Denim is going to be talking about it more from like the full everything every piece in the puzzle should be used at least tried right i mean it's, it's like, if you're curious about it that, that's the way to go for sure like yeah. jump jump in there both feet <laughs> both feet but uh what i want to say is like these are probably the closest thing we have to official missions so like i almost want to suggest people should like cut chaos campaign missions out and like just play those and see how they feel like make oh, a packet out of for, those. Yeah. For pickup games, a hundred percent. If you're just showing up to a, uh, to, to a weekly game and, and it's, you don't know who you're going to be playing against, go through these things, find your, the most exciting favorite missions. And yeah, exactly. Like you said, cut those out number them. And then there's your, your random mission generator. You just get yeah. 10 of them, get a D 10 and, and see what you're going to play and ignore all the, you know, all the points and everything. Um, that, that is a, that is a great place to go for just mission ideas for sure. There's a bunch of in there and there's a lot of basic ones that I'm going to, I'm going to stop 
is right here. I did not realize the two kid campaign book actually has like the it calls it the 10 most basic scenarios that all of the campaigns use and mm-hmm. stuff things like assault, breakthrough, capture the flag almost. I'm like, these are literally the most generically written ones. And it's they are very generically written, like literally put force, like defender starts on, attacker walks on, like stuff like that. But at least it's outlined everything what to do and what the objectives are, clear cut. Right. And that's important because like for the Tukiad one, yes, you have clan specific missions, but you've only got a couple of those, like two of those for each clan. That's not a campaign. A campaign is going to be like like eight or 10 missions. So you've got to have filler in there. And all those other <laughs> missions are the ones that go between those. The one, the important ones, the the really elaborate ones are called touch points. And those only happen at certain points during the campaign. So as you're going through, we'll get into it. We'll get into it. But as you're going through a campaign, it actually tells you which missions that you can progress to from a certain one. And you can only go to a touch point if it specifically labels that at the, uh, at the bottom of your current mission. All right. So let's start with setting up a chaos campaign. So let's just say you've grabbed a person or random person. I'm going to grab denim for this one. Do it. And if we want to grab me there. So we want to set set up the chaos campaign. So step one, that would be us just deciding what we want to do, whether that be the full like mission A, mission B, mission C track, or we just want to like cut the missions out and we want to roll on them. Do we want to do this like historical style? Yeah, historical style where we choose like, oh, you have Smoke Jaguars and I have Comstar. Oh man, should we do the Comstar versus Smoke Jaguar Tukiad campaign? Or should we choose two of our random factions to like, I don't know, Davian versus Federated Sons? Oh, uh, those are the same faction. I blame the writers. <laughs> uh, Draconis Combine versus Federated Sons campaign. I mean, I... Yeah, uh, we we could do the whole Glengarry turning points thing. We have to get the 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 Great Death Legion in there because because we've all got that now from the from the box set. Oh my gosh, you're right. Um, but yeah, so do we want the historical style campaign or or it even says it just a single mission? Like we don't have to do anything. We could just do a single mission. And that's fine. Like the book says, that's acceptable. Right. If you do a single mission, though, you're not doing a campaign. So, you know, that's not in the scope of this particular podcast. No, no, but it is an option. So I want to say no one feel pressured. But that's when we get to step two, where we actually start applying pressure. Uh, determine length of time. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so that's that's a good that's a good point. How much time do we have here? Um, if if we just have an afternoon at the game store on a Tuesday, let's just grab one that sounds interesting and do a mission for sure. That's not, we don't have time to do multiple missions because we've only got a few hours. Um, If you say have a, have a whole weekend, you're just not doing anything that weekend. You can probably get out a a whole campaign in one weekend. Um, Other than that, we have to make sure that we meet up together every so often to do the next mission or two on the list. Um, that's, that's how it's going to work. That's, that's the hard part. <laughs> time. Time is the time. enemy. It is. Cause technically you could do these over like mega Mac, like randomly. 100%. Yeah. 
You could set Megamech to fight the bot, playing <laughs> as the bot. You don't have to be even playing the campaign. You could have the AI fighting it for you, and you just record the results. Right. That's Most no of fun. these mission objectives are programmable into Megamech. Yep. But yeah. So uh, you had already mentioned, like, you could just play a single mission on it, and that's you're cutting out all the repair stuff, and that's fine. That's fine. No one's judging you. Uh, but also, don't set unrealistic lengths of time. Like, we're not doing the entire Tukiid campaign book, and we're not doing the Succession Wars game campaign until one of us literally goes bankrupt, has to sell half their mechs, and then we're just like, it's it's kind of like Monopoly. Like, when do you call a game of Monopoly? Well, that that's a good point. Okay, let's let's go to the one that the the demo one, like the the, uh, the Succession Wars Chaos campaign. That is not designed for it to to be like a monopoly. You eventually you go back and forth forever and ever. Um, it's it is not meant to be endless. Uh, after three missions, you should be down to 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 nothing. Like all of your armor, you can't afford to repair it. Um, get, getting to the finish line is actually uh, a celebratory event all in its own. Um, most of the games that you play, if you play it correctly, are, are going to break down before you get to a winner. And the winner is just going to be the person who outlasted the other person who could actually field mechs on the fourth mission. Um, they, they, uh, they should only last three to five missions total. Um, at least the, at least the early ones. I'll definitely say when I was on mission four of my succession wars campaign, I was like, why would anyone fight these succession wars? None of my mechs are in good condition. I'm practically broke. I'm selling like the top most expensive mechs and the cheapest mechs to like meet somewhere in the middle so I can repair shadow hawks. Right. Right. Like, Those this isn't mechs fun are anymore. This is logistics. Uh, I didn't sign up for this. Hundred percent. Uh logistics is the key. It, uh, but yeah, it, it's fun in in the way that if you enjoy that, it's going to be a lot of fun. If uh, you will see, you will see why in the Succession Wars um, there was more honor. I say in quotes, and what I mean by that is, oh crap, I took some damage. I'm going to leave the field. It's not worth it for me to to fight out here. I'm not going to to sacrifice three mechs in order to hold the field and be able to salvage two mechs. I'm just going to take my three mechs and I'm going to leave and, uh, and we'll just call it a day. Um, it, it's a whole different battle when you're, when you're fighting in a way to keep yourself fighting in the next mission as well. You have to think about more than just where you're at right at that moment. It's a whole different mindset. Do you happen to have like an idea of how, like, the average person, like how many games you should plan a campaign going, at least a chaos campaign style campaign. If it's your first one, three, three missions. That's what I would say. I would say do three, reevaluate everything after that. Right. Because you shouldn't have much left. If you've <laughs> never played before, you're, you're committing way too many forces way too early. You shouldn't have anything left after the third mission. There's a reason why Goss <laughs> uh, rifles, AC-20s, all that, they go right to the head. Man, that mech is destroyed, quote-unquote. Not yes. truly destroyed, but it's destroyed. But if you salvage that, you could at least sell that one. 
That's right. You take yeah. your opponent's models, you sell them on eBay, and then you buy more mechs. Right. Any any mech in the Chaos campaign can be repaired unless all of this center torso internal structure has been destroyed, and then it is truly destroyed, and there's nothing you can do with that, period. That's just gone. And as we all know, that's how most mechs get destroyed. That's true. Ammo explosions in, in uh, early succession wars would take out your center torso very quickly. Any ammo explosion, anywhere. All right. So yeah, so I'm a, I'm gonna I'm going to agree. Three missions for your first like campaign. If you're just doing a chaos campaign, quote unquote, for like pickup missions, easy answer. You're doing one. All right. Uh, next step: pick your faction and forces and your alternate rules. Right. Because it was out of the way to begin with. Because <laughs> each chaos campaign mostly has like. Okay, if you're doing the Draconis Combine versus Federated Sons one, if you want to stay lore correct and historical and use the random acquisition tables inside of it, someone has to be a Draconis Combine, someone has to be Federated Sons. You can't have, you know, Clan Hell's horses in there because it just doesn't work. There's probably a better campaign (laughs) for that. Hell's Horses does have a specific turning point book. Was it the Tashunka? Tashunka? I, I'm not going to even try to pronounce your names. Nope. <laughs> it's new. It's relatively new, if I yeah. remember correctly. It's like last two years new. So it's actually like pretty good. I've read through it. But yeah, so you kind of have to pick your faction and your forces based on what you're wanting to do. If you're doing pickup games, like everyone's a mercenary company or house, it doesn't matter. If you're doing a historical thing, try to be a little close I'm not saying you have to paint all of your units to that faction, but you kind of have to approach it as like, all right, who's going to be fed sons in this scenario? And it just has to stay you. Right. So that's not too tough. Uh, The alternate rules, this is where you would pick like, okay, how deep do we want to go down the rabbit hole? Do we want all the repairs or do we just want to play three games? Because if you're playing three games, you almost don't need to. Oh no, you a hundred percent for three games, even like that's where the repairs your first three games, you're going to learn all about how costly repairs can be. And this is, this is where to get, to get that flavor in, you know, this will tell you if this is something you enjoy or not something you enjoy at all. So those first three games absolutely use salvage and repair rules. Um, By the base rules, all your pilots start off as uh, three, four, but any new pilots come in as a four or five. So you want to try and save your pilots um, because uh, you don't want to be spending those hard earned uh, war chest points to, to upgrade green pilots. Um, you know, you want, you want to keep your best mechs and your best pilots in the game. And it's important to establish the alternate rules first. Like if you guys are going to use the full repair rules, because that will actually affect what mechs you take in your force like if you're not paying for repairs then it really doesn't matter what you're taking if you are taking like full pay for ammo pay for repairs you're probably going to take different mechs things that don't need as many repairs things that might have quirks that make repairs easier oh man those those half those half cost repair quirks are the best everybody's got a gyro for a shadowhawk lane in there yeah i've got three right here (laughs) So that's step three. So Denim would say 
to just do the whole thing for those three missions. Just hundred percent. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. You, you don't know if you're going to enjoy it unless you, unless you jump in. And if you're only doing three missions, you know, expect to not make it past three missions, but be like, okay, I understand this is way more complicated or way more involved than I thought. And then you can go in with both eyes open instead of just with preconceived notions. You should definitely give it all a try and see what's out there. And then decide, you know, you know what? I don't really want to do repair rules. <laughs> and that's fine. That's okay. It's wrong, but it's okay. I, I did water them down a bit for my campaign, but my campaign is a drop in, drop out. So you don't have the same people on the same table every single time. Um, and, and that's what this is designed for. Like this is designed for you and a group of friends that you play with routinely. And most likely are communicating with. So if anyone needs help, you can like, they can message the group and be like, Hey, I don't know how much I paid for this. Okay. So you've decided what you want to do. You've determined the length of time that you want to do this for, and you've picked what faction you're thinking about running. The next step is to actually build your force. And I thought this was really hilarious reading all of the different turning points, spotlights in chaos campaign, like actual rules is because this is the hardest place to start because depending on what source you use, it says something different. That's true. That's true. (laughs) You say that like, like reading the actual, not just, not just the, uh, the turning points, but, um, the chaos campaign is found in several different spots. One is that uh, there's a free chaos campaign PDF. There is the um, free succession wars campaign uh, PDF that actually has missions in it. There is the Tukiid book that has it. And then there's a whole section in campaign operations. Um, all of them are slightly different and they all say um, no, no two campaigns are going to be the same talk this over with who you're playing with and and decide uh you know which one of these slight rule variations you want to you want to go with um some of them are very minor some of them are just how many points it costs to do different things some are wildly different so pick pick one source and and just stick with that one make that one your bible and ignore all the others that's that's what i say what i thought was hilarious was the turning point in spotlights literally had written out players should feel free to balance the number of forces in each track as they see fit, whether by battle value, tonnage, total number of mechs, or whatever else suits them. And I was like, don't hand me the entire buffet. Like, hold my hand a little bit. Like, tell me we're eating dessert today. This feels like the like the the, the boardroom where they were having this discussion is one of those things. It's like three in the morning and they're like, how, how are we going to balance this? And we're like, let's let them balance it any way they want. Just any way they want. Everyone's happy. Yeah. We won't piss anyone off because <laughs> we won't help anyone. And I was like, thanks. Uh, so that's what it says in turning points and spotlights. Uh, it, it also wars. says that in, in, in one of the other ones that I read recently too. Yeah. Oh yeah. Succession Wars tells you to pick mechs you like and balance each mission track by whatever you like. Tonnage, BV, and it literally they, says yeah. whatever. And, like, and they said that that they were balancing it by tonnage in there. But again, that's okay because it's all intro tech. Um yeah. I wouldn't I wouldn't do that in the real world. Like once once you get out of intro tech, don't do it by tonnage. Yeah. Because for that one, all your pilots are gonna be roughly the same. Right. So uh 
And for Tukiid, it gives force point cost, which is its own ambiguous cost, which doesn't have any relation, like, if you search any other thing. And I, that was really confusing. That's why it kind of turned me off. But then it gives, like, pages down. It's like, it gives a BV or PV conversion because it understands at least most people are going to build a big clan force or big Comstar force using the most commonly able to build forces with, like if you're using Master Unilus for Alpha Strike or Mega Mech for battle value. Right. This is partly because all of the missions are balanced based on percentages of your force total, whether it be tonnage, PV, or whatever. So that that is why they don't give a direct clear build a 40,000 PV force. Or- right. It's supposed to be scalable is what I was going to say. It's supposed yeah. to be scalable from anywhere from a, a lance to, to like, to like multiple companies. Um, as long as you've got the time and the, and the space to play it, this system should scale. But in doing so, they can't say, okay, grab, you know, 10,000 BV because it that it's it's dependent on the scale so it's it's very difficult to to nail anything down while leaving it open-ended enough for everybody (laughs) the you see the problem here right yeah yeah uh i what i did like in the two kid campaign book is it in that it gives a three levels and it's like small a small force but it calls a star level force total not not building a star but the force total Right. Was 40,000 battle value. Right. Because you should actually be building three stars because you were most likely going to be build, uh, bringing 33 to 50% of your forces to any given mission. Yeah. So the name doesn't match what it is, but it's how much you're expected to take per mission. Almost. Right. This is this this is not a book that you can just kind of skim and browse through and just pick. And, you need to start from the beginning and read the whole thing. Um that's not what like, I was like. Sold. The I rules was sold part. Pretty pictures and tables no. to roll on. That's later. You can do all your pretty <laughs> pictures after you do your homework, but you gotta you gotta read first. You gotta RTFM all the way on this. But uh, it's but too I really like confusing. That. Otherwise, I like that it. They at least gave my brain a starting point of forty thousand <laughs> PV is what we think you should like your your clan invasion era probably a little bit before or probably a little bit later, like you could do jihad at 40,000 for a force. So in my brain, everyone should have 40,000 BV just ready to go at any game table. <laughs> that's, that's what you take. So I think we need to insert a step zero into all this. Step zero is find a friend who, if not likes to, at least has the patience to sit down and read. That's step zero. Find someone who doesn't mind reading the book because one of the people playing should have read the whole thing. I want to say that actually is step zero is choose who's going to be in charge of helping everything. The game master or just the person in charge. And we talked about that on the campaign episodes. Someone has to be in charge. Oh, yeah. So anyways, you build your force and you build your balanced force of units. It says balance because it's like you don't know what mission you could get. So take a little... Little buffet selection of everything. You want some light mechs, some heavy mechs, some assault mechs, some inventory, some vehicles if you're doing that. And that's where the, hey, are we doing a campaign with vehicles and inventory? No? Okay, don't pick those. If you are, take them. 
And Tukiyot is super nice about that too, because you don't have to worry about that. You just worry about your mechs. And if you want vehicles, that's one of the places where BSP vehicles was first introduced. So they just came in as you are allotted this many BSP for this mission. And you could either get airstrikes or you can spend it on infantry and vehicles. Uh, and they're disposable because they're just there for that for that mission. If you want them for the next mission, you have to spend that mission's BSP points on those. So I really, really liked that uh, that concept when it was introduced in Tukiyot. I'm not repairing infantry. That's what letters <laughs> are, <laughs> purple hearts are for. Now, in campaign operations, uh, there, there are totally rules for repairing infantry platoons um, between missions because that was all done with total warfare. So no BSP stuff in that. So too long. Don't listen. Make like 40,000 or whatever number or whatever quantifying unit your group likes tonnage battle value point value or just random acquisition tables and then you take the average stuff like that go for it and build a force and also, to them. don't yeah don't worry about putting them into lances or stars or level twos either because when a mission comes up you're you're drawing from your total number of forces like a percentage for your total number of forces and you can mix and match then. You can then decide what four mechs you want to bring as a lance. You don't have to bring that lance. You just bring four mechs and make them into a lance. So uh, you don't have to worry about any of that to begin with. I thought that was kind of nice. It's like you're not picking your forces for each mission before you play the mission. No, you're building the roster. This is what's on the dropship, and this is what you get to take on each mission. Right. So the... The primary person in the mission will have a percentage of their total forces they're allowed to bring. And then um, the other side will have a percentage of that player's forces, normally 100%, but it could be more or less depending on the on the mission. So one of them, you have to pay attention. You have to read the, the mission briefing. You know, one of them is the percentage of their total force, and the other is a percentage of the opposing player. It always balances around one of the other people. Yes. Uh. <laughs> well, if it wasn't balanced, then it wouldn't be a fun mission because know, one person would win. I just assume it's like, oh, that's what everyone should take. But it's not always. Not always. But anyways, uh, so next step, you pick where to start. And by that, I mean pick where to start like in the mission track. They call it tracks. I like missions. The word's interchangeable for this. And that's just like, are we doing this specific like smoke Jaguar campaign or are we doing mission one? Like is the battle just starting or do we want to start like in the middle and like all the like. Uh, yeah. Why they, why they call it tracks though is because like I said, um, certain it's a railroad missions, and we're stuck on their railroad. Well, yeah. Certain missions can only go to certain other missions uh, when you're playing. So if you're playing it in in a campaign style, you know, when you finish, uh, let me let me pull up an example right here. For example, uh, if you're doing that uh, Succession Wars campaign, um, you start with a meeting engagement. The only two options you have from that are a breakthrough track or a pursuit track. You can't go from a meeting engagement to a counter attack, counter attack 
um, or an assault track. You just can't do it. So it's it's a track because it leads from one to the other uh, with a couple branches depending. So when you finish a mission, it'll say, you know, a recon. Well, from a recon, you can either go to a meeting engagement um, or, or, you know, a defense type of thing. It's you only get a certain number of options. Yeah. So this is, first off, that's called a railroad, sir. <laughs> uh-huh. Because you're on tracks. Because I'm it's on forcing track. you. Yeah, it's mm-hmm. forcing you to go to go in a direction. You can't just wander haphazardly around. So yeah. it creates a structure to the mission that makes sense in a logistical way. But there's no reason you have to start at track one. True. You do not. And depending on what mission one is and depending on what everyone's experience is, there's no reason to. But that's optional. And I just need everyone to know you have the power in your hands to not start at mission one. Uh, This is your game. You can literally do whatever you want as long as your friends agree or they won't be your friends anymore. Uh, after step five, where you've picked where to start, step six, you start. That's right. You start playing that track and you pick the map sheets that it says to pick for your said campaign. I think it gives a suggestion like everyone should have like one sheet per person. It's so, like at minimum, you're playing on two sheets normally. Yeah, I mean, it's for for most games, you're going to be playing on on two map sheets or one battle mat. Uh, For some particularly large battles, you might go up to four or even, you know, the BFG if it's like a really, really big track. Yeah, but a lot of those tracks actually say like, this one should have, you know, three sheets and attacker places the first one and defender places the second one some specific mission types um, will be set up differently than your, than your standard. Uh, so just, just follow what the, what the mission states um, yeah. and then adjust accordingly. One thing I did like is in a lot of the turning point mission campaign backs, they actually specified which map sheet in most of the most common ones, like grassland desert, stuff like that you should use to give like the most, balance based on that mission if it's like one of the more historically focused ones like they were like the deployment one should be the grasslands and the next one should be mountains and the third one should be a desert and specific numbered so like to give a illusion of a specific thing right um and, and a lot of the turning points do have uh map sheet rats so so for like certain fights, it'll say here, here are a group of six maps. It can be one of these, you know, the maps should be from this pool. So you got map pools. So, it, so it's all themed. And then the two kid one is super awesome because for the very specific, um, uh, the, the major battles for each of the clans, you actually have special maps just for that. Um, and those are some of the coolest maps I've played on. I wouldn't play with them every day, but for the missions that they're meant to be played on, they're perfect. They are. Well, technically, they are designed for that mission. Right. They're good for that mission, and they're also good for, for like, uh, campaign missions. You know, something that's, they're not always balanced perfectly for pickup games, but um, they are very elaborate, and they, they, they're a lot of fun. Random encounter maps, sir. That's what you're thinking of. <laughs> yeah. All right, so... That was all easy, right? There's nothing like hard that 
most people like no word that like people see in their eyes gloss over and they don't know what this is because they've never seen it in any other games no right it makes sense to me <laughs> it makes sense to you but help me understand war chest because oh, okay. this but because this is what everything in BattleTech's official missions are designed around and that yes. was just something i wasn't really like expecting to see that every mission every mission has war chest associated with it and i didn't realize until i understood that every mission is meant to be played with a campaign that uses war chest systems right the war so they have were designed for the chaos campaign yes so every mission has war chest because war chest was designed for campaign and they want every mission to be integratable to chaos campaigns right so when i started i didn't understand that or how to use it because i was a pickup game player so uh, what does war chest mean to you? What is a war chest point to you? Now it's essentially the tax and the objective point. Like I understand it is the cost to play the mission. Like, oh, this mission costs me, you know, five gold to try, and then I could get ten gold from it. Like it's very quest like in that regard. Okay. Interesting. It's it's so much more abstract than even that. Um, like <laughs> if if you're reading about it from from the official source, it says the war chest point system is an abstraction of the rewards and opportunities that arise out of combat. More than merely a monetary concept, the war chest also represents factors such as renown, contracts, and being at the right place at the right time. It represents opportunities, whether to participate in a particular battle, fight under certain environmental modifiers, or acquire a battle mech. So it is more than just money. It is an abstraction of all the political, um, uh, logistical, uh, all the bribes, um, all, all the money that you have, all the reputation that you have. It, all of that is just combined into this one resource they call a war chest because it's everything. It's everything that makes that makes a complex geopolitical system uh, run because like BattleTech is just too it's just too complicated to just say oh this is C bills because it's more than C bills like it's so much more but everything costs C bills just just give me C bills and I'll buy mechs with their sticker price and all that I don't know. <laughs> not how this works is it denim well it, i mean there's there's conversions but uh, it all has to be converted back into war chest points to be able to use it in the campaign because you've got war chest points which then can be converted into to supply points which is actually what you're supposed to be using to upgrade your mechs or to to buy new pilots um, and to do your repairs which you'll have to convert back into war chest points in order to buy your your next mission with war chest points um but if you want to get really, really granular, you can take those supply points and convert them into C bills. Uh, if like there's something specific that you that you need to assign a monetary value to, so it is also just like everything else, very scalable. It is the most generic currency they could give us. Because mm -hmm. most of the time, war chest points are all you're going to need. Um, and if, if you want to get complex, then supply points are where, where, where it's at. You shouldn't have to go down to C-bills unless you're taking everything very seriously. And, and the details are what excites you more than the actual mech battles. 
that's when you're playing with campaign ops and you're like spreadsheet simulator 9000 yep. is your, that, is your hobby cool. yep are you an accountant do you have if too you, much free time if you don't use excel because the uh the spreadsheet that you wrote is so much uh ro- more robust that this is for you so you mentioned that you can use the war chest points to actually pay for the mission that's like your travel funds the bribes everything correct to get to the mission yep that includes that like can... drop ship and jump ship and <laughs> And and what you what rank you are like what kind of favors you can pull like it's all of that stuff. So that always confused me because I was like I just wasn't used to buying things like buying the ability to play. Right. It's I mean, just exchanging. It's exchanging resources uh, to get yourself to the mission that you that you need to be at. Um, it could even be like it represents your your spy network, like the resources you spent on paying your spies to find out when this particular uh, unit commander was going to be in a particular area. So now you have that information and that's why you happen to be on that battlefield at that time uh, for that mission. Yeah. Uh, what I did like was, so let's say I pay 200 war chest points to play in a specific track. The objectives could give me 400. So it really rewards me for playing the objective in there and not just dropping mechs on the table making pew pew sounds rolling dice and like oh i lost that's cool no this is a game about logistics the fun is secondary right so you got your objectives which give you the most the most number of points um you do have some uh optional secondary uh things that that um can give you bonus uh bonus war chest points um, so like if you want to play it at dusk or or in the mud, um, it's gonna be a harder mission for one side, but that side will get will get more war chest points as long as they achieve a, at least one objective. So you have to achieve an objective to consider that mission a success enough for you to to get the other um, benefits from it. Yeah. I think the one I saw the most was start with more damage on your mech, like literally roll two d six damage apply to your mech before you even started rolling dice yep i was like that's rough but then i saw it's like oh this doubles my war chest points rewards right and i've seen some that were negative war chest points because you could start with a minefield on the on the field so in doing that you're actually paying war chest points to to seed the the field with mines so that's your I'm making the game more difficult or easier depending on how I'm feeling that day and how confident I am based on my mechs and my choices and who my opponent is. And I was like, thinking about that, I really liked, okay, the mission is very abstract, but it also has a lot of options. Like, it's not just capture the flag and first want to get it back to their base wins. It's like, no, there's an objective and you have to get to it. But if you want to raise the stakes, you could make this a capture the vip mission in the rain it's right like if psrs are harder or something like that it's like okay that's that's not that bad and then uh, of course salvage salvage you only get if you completed at least one objective and you control the field at the end of the game so if both sides are like nope we're we're taking too much damage we're both withdrawing uh because apparently that's a thing that happened in the succession wars then nobody controls the field. Nobody gets any salvage. Those mechs are just left out there to to rust. 
Um, so you, you have to have control of the field and have completed a, an objective to even have a chance at getting salvage, which is wild as it should be. Yeah. Wild. So that's war chess points. That's, that's what I would consider the hardest part about chaos campaign is not starting it, not finding people to play, not establishing how much force I should make. None of that. None of that. Understanding the most basic point system that Battletech uses, which is a all-purpose currency. That, that, that's the best yeah. way I can put it. Yeah, so that's my big parts of how to start a chaos campaign. Do you have any like thoughts or things you would like to add to that, Denim? Yeah, the, the chaos campaign, it's one of those things that I wanted to play for a long time. Um, I read about it. I made forces for it, but I, I didn't have people to play it with for, for years. And then, and then, you know, one day when, when Battletech started becoming more popular, I found my folder with a bunch of stuff and I'll be like, you know what? I'm, I'm going to actually do this. And the first time I tried, it was a mess and I had read the rules. Like I knew how the rules worked, but actually playing it, I'm like this, this is crazy. But by the third time I, I played it, it, it all made sense. And it was, um, it was actually a lot of fun so much so that I designed my campaign system around it. And it's just so much easier for me to manage everything in that because, because I'm using this framework that was already designed. So those are my thoughts. My big takeaway is if you don't like chaos campaigns, you should at least read it to understand that this is how the majority of Battletech missions are kind of written around. So if you at least understand the framework, you can kind of take any product, any mission pack or whatever, and kind of see how it is and adapt it to your own use. So there's no escaping the chaos campaign. Yeah, it's there. It's there for forever. It is a, <laughs> it is an integrated part of this balanced breakfast. You rip off the, you know, wallpaper and it's, it's the foundation. It's in the framework of the house. And it's only been out since, uh, I guess, the early 2000s. <laughs> early um, 2000s. Yeah. But uh, but it like once you've done it enough times and you're like, oh, this does make sense. This this uh, I would say start with the with the Succession War Chaos Campaign PDF. And then if you like that at all, go straight to the Tukiad one. The Tukiad book is really good. So yeah, I mean, um, begin with the the Succession Wars uh, Chaos Campaign PDF, and then if you like that, go right to the Tukiad book. The Tukiad book is fantastic. Um, uh, if you like clan invasion stuff, it is the most robust. Uh, it's it's the best product that they put out using the Chaos Campaign, in my opinion. I like Tukiad. And I feel like that one could be the most, I'd say, broadly adapted to like modern play, like Ill Clan and up. Like that one could go. Oh, for sure. For sure. You could do whatever you want with it. Yeah. But the framework, like learning the framework from that, it, it will teach you all you need to know. Yeah. And you'll know if you love it or hate it after that. All right. Uh, do we have any other thoughts or questions on injecting a little chaos into our lives? <laughs> um. 
No, I'm I'm available on the Discord if you have questions. Uh, just DM me on there. I've done this quite a bit. I am happy to help anyone who's trying to get into a campaign or start one on their own. I'm I'm happy to help them through the rough patches. Yeah, and feel free to email us. And by us, I mean me. And then I will forward it to Denim <laughs> so he can answer because I've done these. I've done these, and I I liked them, but he's done them all the whole 100 of the book kind of stuff so and where can they email us josh they can email us at the mech bay podcast at gmail.com or on facebook at the mech bay podcast do it yeah. i'm waiting to hear from everyone show of hands everyone <laughs> show of hands on the audio only experience that's Woo. right So thanks for listening today to us talk about chaos campaigns and the quote-unquote official way to play Battletech, which is extended campaigns, cost, logistics, and building a random force and then dividing that into portions of your choosing. Catch us next time when we talk about Alpha Strike. More Alpha Strike than we can handle.